we both have childhood wounds, share them with each other, and we've grown to heal a lot of them. But you know what? It's a lifetime journey. It's not that I'm now this brand new person. I emerged. All my past is gone. We have moments we get triggered. We both get in each other's face and there's tension. Absolutely. But the speed of recovery after fighting is incredible. Welcome to Hope to Recharge podcast. Thank you for joining me here again today. Every week we meet here to break the stigma around mental health and to bring you insight and inspiration and lots of practical tips from personal stories or professionals around the world that share how they turn their journey of mental health into healing or to thriving. Together we will break the stigma one story at a time. And mental health together is always better. Thank you for joining me here today. I'm your host, Matana. Let's get started. Do you ever find yourself feeling like you're not really seen in your relationship? Like you're just living with a roommate and life is just one endless checklist. If you do, then please stay a bit longer. My name is Igor Meisselman and I'm a certified MAGO relationship facilitator. I went on this journey myself with my wife and it took us from a place of roommates, checklists, to incredibly close friends and spouses. You see, the journey of a relationship requires tools and deep work to uncover the true connection that all spouses crave. Imago Relationship Therapy is a very unique form of therapy that gives you the tools necessary to create safety in a relationship and then to navigate towards the deeper things that we all crave in our relationships, which is to see and to be seen, to connect in an authentic and real way. I invite you to check out relationshipreimagined.com for more information and for free session to your could experience the magic of what a model could do for you and your relationship. Hello and welcome back. We are continuing part two of the two-part series of Understanding Imago Therapy with Igor. If you didn't listen to episode number one, go back, pause now, and go listen to the first episode and then listen to this one because without part one, you will not understand what we are speaking about in this episode. And we are going to deep dive into understanding Imago and how we can apply it in our relationships, how it's healing, what it brings to our homes, and how how it makes us heal from past relationships. Hope you enjoy this episode. It was about two weeks ago. We were supposed to celebrate the 20th anniversary in Israel. And unfortunately, his, my husband's passport got lost by FedEx. Hashem, God didn't want us to be there for some reason. Mm-hmm. I don't know why God didn't want us to be there for our 20th anniversary. And that's okay. We're, we came so long in life that we realized that it's fine. And we were analyzing how different I was. And I said, do you remember, Ari, how miserable I used to be? You used to go to shul. And I had three little kids at home. And you took our oldest one for like half of the davening. And then you would come home like an hour after shul because you hung out with your friends in Kiddush and I didn't like going to synagogue. I was very much a home person and and I used to say, if you loved me, wouldn't you come home right after? And I used to attack him instead of saying, Ari, I really want you to spend time with me and I'm lonely and I want to do Shabbos together, not after you were an hour in Shul and I was with three kids alone on Shabbos day, but I would really rebuke him versus express what I wanted. And then there was a resentment and he felt, oh my gosh, I'm the bad husband. So there was a disconnect. That's your question? Yeah. Besides feeling bad husband, looking back, how did he show up 
when you showed up that way, what kind shut of- Shut down, what, shut down. Perfect. Shut down. And, that, and that's There example. was like a gap. And then we mm-hmm. wanted to bring the gap together because we wanted to love each other. But I felt unseen. He felt attacked. He felt like the worst husband when he's trying so hard to be the best husband. And he thinks he's a great husband. And he really was a great husband, but he wanted to go to shul. And once a week, and he never sees his friends because he works so hard. So once a week, he wanted to hang out with his friends after shul. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. what about me? What did you marry me for? Did you marry mm-hmm. me in order to hang out with your friends? And this was a constant thing. And I was resentful because I was with my little kids at home and I just wanted him to be with me. And now I say to people, if I only knew, if I only knew what I know now, there wouldn't be this gap then. First of all, you're a growth-oriented person. You'll allow yourself to grow over the years and allow the experience of what happened help you create a broader vision and understanding of how to show up. But unfortunately, for every couple like you, there's couples who just incessantly for decades will spend time reliving the same fight. And then we'll say, what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing and expecting a different outcome. And you see it all the time. Like, you guys still fight about that? Yeah. Nobody came up with any solution or proposal. There's going to be Shabbos. It's coming. No surprises. There's going to be Passover coming. It's like, how much Shalom bias is destroyed in the home? Oh, a couple of weeks before Passover. It's madness, right? Mm-hmm. Even now, like more and more, even bigger rabbis started coming out with, here's the list. Just do these minimums and do not go past this point. Focus right. on your family. Make a happy play- home. Your home should be safe and fun for kids. So the reality is that when there's lack of tools and lack of awareness, people will wind up getting stuck. But what I just wanted to point out from the story is so great about the way you criticize when you came home is I just wanted to tie it again to this idea of safety because this is the part that is so powerful and actually magical for couples is you see, when you showed up for him that way and he felt attacked and criticized, he most likely felt not safe. What does he do? Any human being, when they don't feel safe, they will resort to whatever is their basically instinctual safety mechanism. Comfort, somewhere that's comfortable. Absolutely. In extreme, people will turn to alcohol, substances, whatever they're going to be doing, overeating. And some people are going to withdraw. They, they become invisible. Right. They, they just, they literally Disconnect. They dis- exactly. And then that space itself becomes even more toxic because yes! how, how come you're not talking to me right now? Why aren't you, right? Why are you been so distant all day? And, and that, that feeds even more gasoline. Exactly. And so those vicious cycles will continue living out yes. until somebody comes in and says, okay, how do we reverse this trend? And that's exactly why Imago is, to me, the the brilliance of it is it's such a strategic step-by-step, very tool-oriented process where you say, wait, how do we neutralize toxicity? We know what happens when we get into a fight. How do we neutralize that? We know what happens when I show up in an unsafe way for you. How do we reverse that? Or what could you say back to me to help alleviate or put at ease whatever tension is between us? And one of those tools besides let's say mirroring is also the safety dialogue okay how do we create more safety everything's about more safety because if we really come to a place of wow i'm around my spouse this is my best friend this is somebody who knows my world in a way that nobody else does or ever will my fears my dreams my aspirations that's a person then with whom if something comes up that's challenging or tense i can just open up why i don't have to worry about being judged i don't have to worry about being criticized i know that i could just share this is probably a little bit of disappointment of my rabbis because we used to have rule in yeshiva that when they would teach us about what, what's considered appropriate to discuss with your spouse and what's considered not appropriate to discuss with your spouse. And we would have these lists of kind of like, like this is okay and this is a minefield. Never tell and, her that dress doesn't look good on her. 
Perfect example. Perfect. <laughs> and you know what? I'm going to tell you something. Maybe in some way we're unique in this one, wife and I. But I feel like we've just been on this journey for so long. I literally cannot think of a single thing that I would feel uncomfortable sharing with my wife or her sharing with me. That wasn't and always. You no. learned it with Imago. That's what I'm saying. That stage of going into Imago land and then all of a sudden finding, just in those five years, the, the amount of stuff we unraveled and shared with each other wow. about our worlds, we would have never shared if we didn't have the, the safety as a foundation undergirding the entire experience. So it was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm sharing this with you. I can't believe I want you in on this fear I have. Or when I came over to my wife and I was like, what do you think about me being a relationship coach and uh, beginning to do less of uh, law work? She didn't say as first thing, how are we going to pay our bills? Because there were definitely going to be changes in, in, in compensation compared right. to the work I do you right. know, as a divorce attorney. The first thing she said is, do you feel that that's aligned with the essence of who you are? Would that help you express your godly self? That's the first thing my wife asked me back. But that only happened after years and years of crying together, fighting together, rehealing, reconnecting, reengaging. And that created you know, a foundation on which I feel now we build everything together. Do you ever look at yourselves and say, oh, I messed up. I didn't, I should have used my Imago. Does your old self come or you're so programmed? Oh, what a great question. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is not, and I'm glad you even use that word programmed. That's exactly it. It's a lifetime journey. Right. We both have childhood wounds and we share them with each other and we've grown to heal a lot of them. But you know what? It's a lifetime journey. It's not, that's it. I'm now this brand new person. I emerged. And now all my past is gone. Absolutely, we have moments we get triggered and we both get in each other's face and mm -hmm. not like fighting, but there's tension. Absolutely. Right. Right. But you know what? I'll tell you what my wife and I were laughing about it the other night. We both made this observation. The speed of recovery after fighting is incredible. We literally like, we'll fight like a little cat and dog about something. And then we'll like literally a few minutes later, come back to it like, I get it. When I said that, you probably felt like this, didn't yes. you? Yes. It's an outburst. Like, it's an outburst. Yeah. And then it's a comfort. And then there's a, a meeting of the minds, an understanding. It, it all comes back to something that I re, I say often in, in recovery and in healing. It's frequency, duration, and intensity. It's not that mm -hmm. it's never going to happen. It's how frequent, how intense, and how long does it last? Yeah. And I remember before Mago, I remember we did have a few, not so many, but we had a, a good handful of some pretty intense fights. And what I mean by that is the fight itself actually was not so bad. But I think one of them was even a few days before we, were, we felt like there was, again, decent energy between us. Wow. Yeah. And it was just like, it was such a deep rupture. We both were like, afterwards, when we walked away, we were like, wow, what was that? You know, like, what happened? That was really bad. And again, we didn't have yet Imago tools. We didn't know how to process yet for ourselves what was going on. We just knew that. For some reason, that was very intense. That yeah. was not just some casual, you know, argument, let's say. And it also depends on what's going on in our life. If like I see yesterday I was traveling and I was very stressed because I had a lot to do before I traveled. And I was like on a very high pitched voice with my husband. I was very calm the entire trip. And then I said, Ari, I'm stressed. You know, I'm stressed. He's like, yes, I know. Like I right away took it on myself versus blaming him. Why are you not showing up for me when I'm stressed? I'm sorry. I'm going to be probably curt and short fused and whatever. And I take it on myself versus blaming him. And I think there's such a big 
big healing experience here when we can say to the other, to our loved one, it's not you. I'm going through something right now. I might not be myself. Hold space for me when I'm, when I'm exhausted, when I'm anxious, when I'm sad, when I'm whatever it is. And when we have that tools, I think of it's all about communication. And when people come to me and say to me, my marriage is broken, it's never going to be okay. I said, how do you communicate? What it's all about the communication, how you say it, your tone, your energy. Are you attacking? Or are you asking? Are you sharing? Or are you rebuking? And this is all things that I learned through so much failure. But if you don't fall, I don't see how I would have the proper communication now if I didn't fall a hundred times or a thousand times. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I would, the other thing I would add is one of the concepts that we use is I, I became so hooked on it. I just started calling it timing is everything. And basically Isn't what that's that about, one of the things And Imago asked them, is this okay? And now let's good. go into that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah Absolutely. let's understand because I think it's yeah. such an, I wanted to ask you, that was my next question. Can you explain to us this idea of asking for the right time? This is, this actually goes much deeper than even timing. And I want to explain this other aspect that I find people don't really give awareness to. If I were to say to a couple, do you need permission to speak to your spouse? Most people look at me like, what? That's my mm-hmm. spouse. And I say, I want you to reconsider that position. Mm-hmm. And I want you to consider the following. You have time, you have energies, and you allocate them accordingly throughout your day, throughout your life. When anybody comes into your life, even your loved ones, don't you feel that there should still be some certain basic amount of respect for your time and for who you are? Because that is what it means to value another human being. Mm-hmm. I value you. I value your time. So I can't just infringe on it. I can't just take advantage of it. I need to treat it with respect. It's like a valuable commodity. Right. And what happens is when I start explaining to couples, we're going to learn, practice today the following sentence. You're going to introduce this sentence into the way you dialogue with your spouse. And from now on, you're going to show up like this. Instead of saying, hey, honey, is the dinner ready? Exactly. Yeah. It's so funny. That was the, exactly the example I was thinking about. <laughs> really? Exactly. Imagine a husband and saying, uh, where's my food? <laughs> Perfect. So now imagine scene two. Instead of, hey, is the dinner ready? Total just outburst into space mm-hmm. with no regard. Right. Is my spouse available? Is my spouse right now in the middle of changing diaper or screaming? Am I aware of what's happening around me other than myself? Yeah. To shift to the following, I wanted to discuss something with you. Is now a good time? Yeah. I cannot tell you how many fights would be averted in a relationship if spouse who needed to get something off their chest need to talk about something would come over and say, I really need to confine you. Something happened awful at work. It's now a good time. Instead of being told, listen, you got to sit down. You're not going to bully what happened at the office. What? I'm not ready for you. And then, oh, you, so you don't think what goes on in my life is important? Oh, so it's not serious, the things I need to share with you? How about, right? And it turns into a whole mess. Imagine if the following exchange took place. I need to discuss with you something. Is now a good time. And the spouse turns around and says, thank you so much for asking me. I would love to listen to you. Can you just give me 10 minutes? to finish preparing the dinner. And then I would love to give you all my attention. Now, the, the receiver of the request felt heard and seen. The, re- the requestor now received back confirmation. Absolutely, I want to listen to you. There will be time for you. So you don't have to feel rejected by me. You don't have to feel like you're not important to me. All I'm asking is, can you give me 10 minutes? That little exchange, I'm telling you, would literally veer off path of destruction. So many interactions between couples. I constantly get to listen to this. She never has time for me. He never has time for me. And like you, I wind up asking, how did you ask for that time? What do you mean? I came over and I said, 
I need this. And I was like pushed away. I said, did you consider that might not have been good timing? Oh, didn't think about that. And that that's the challenge is timing is so crucial just as a baseline for good, healthy, productive communication is you ask, would not be a good time. I need to share something. And by the way, my wife and I just People want to hear practically what it looks like now on, on the level where we are. I could walk into the house from exhausting day of work and I see my wife face a bit sour and I see that kids are running around destroying the house, the standard operating procedure. Yeah. And I walk in and I could just be like, I got some things I need to get off my chest. I'm going to tell my wife. Instead, I'll come over and I'll say, hey, I see you seem like you're going through something. Is something stressing you out right now? And because we're connected, my wife, yeah, I, I'm glad you noticed. I'm really stressed out the way the kids have been behaving the last two hours. Yeah. Oh, Okay, I just want you to know that there's something I wanted to discuss with you, but it can wait. But I just wanted to know, do you think maybe later tonight you might have some time for me? That's it. That request for permission. My wife told me so many times she feels so validated that I asked with permission because I'm signaling to her, you also matter. It's not only about me because I walked through the door and now I want all the attention. I recognize you and that you might be not fully available right now. It might not be a good time for you. So how do we set the time that works for both of us? And that way we're still connected. There's no rupture. And we eventually have the conversation in a good place. Do you ever hear that a person would say, wait, you see that I'm not in a good place. You asked me about it. And now you're going to say you have something to share. Can you just hold space and wait with your, is it all about you asking for my time? And when I could, there's also Absolutely. a sensitivity of when to ask. So many times I'm very short fused with my children. I'm like, now nah, one second, don't you see that I'm doing something? I, I'm like on the phone and I'm cooking and, and I expect them as a four-year-old or a six-year-old to see not now as an adult we have to like even more so say okay can i even ask right now or should i wait maybe he's stressed right now maybe he's going through something at work maybe he just ran in from learning maybe he has to go pray or maybe i don't know maybe it's not the right time to ask and find the time and find the time and also i think what's important is and i often stress this with couples have this dialogue with each other and set certain standards of okay if you see i'm doing this don't ask me now like some kind of awareness of where the other person is holding and it's not all about you and it's not that they don't love you and it's not that it's all about them it's just seeing are they able to be open to receiving what you're saying oh you're getting all my tools out of my toolbox <laughs> so now i'm going to give you the other tool we call it bcr behavior change request basically after a good amount of mirroring mm -hmm. creating safety mm -hmm. and empathy and validation the typical next step in the work i do with couples is okay guys how do we now after we've done a lot of you know, emotional connection building and you feeling like the worlds are coming closer together. What, are, what do we do now in your practical lives? Where are the minds? Where are the pressure points? And what's awesome about behavioral change request is it's an actual dialogue with your spouse where you get to, from a place of safety, request something that's been bugging you to no end. And your spouse is available to hear that mm. because you've built so much safety. So in your scenario, like that, where, well, can't you see what's going on for me? And do, can't you see that during these times, this is just not a good time? Instead of saying it like that, could you imagine in a safe, connected way to be able to say, when I'm going through this type of a situation and you come over to me and you just start asking for attention, I feel frustrated. I feel tension. I feel torn because I want to take care of you, but I also have to do this. And your spouse just like gets to take that in. Wow, I didn't realize that when I approach you, in those moments, it creates so much tension. How can I show up for you? 
in those situations that you think would lead us to a better outcome. And that's where you get to ask for very concrete things. For example, now you can get to say, it would really mean a lot to me if you see me tense like this, can you just give me 10 minutes, 20 minutes, and then come back and ask me again? Yeah. Very concrete. And then we apply the, the typical rubric of smart, specific, measurable, attainable, timely. You could say, I would like on these days, when you see me like this, can you please give me 10 minutes? And then you practice together like an exercise. You take it on as like accountability and you hold each other like par- partner accountability. So what happens when they don't show up? You ask, I'll give you a scenario. I love giving <laughs> scenarios from my own life. Okay, let's sure, do this. Sure. So I'm very, I, and again, my listeners know this very well about me. I'm very on time. My husband's very late and I label him. I label him. You're always late. He got so much better over the years. But in the beginning of our marriage, I used to attack him. You're always late. You don't care about me. If you love me, you'll be on time. You care about yourself. Um, you're selfish. If you cared, you would have reminders, a ton of shaming. And I would feel unseen, mm-hmm. very unseen. And I don't you care about other people's time? My time is valuable, just like your time. I can't even tell you how much we went to therapy until I, I, I needed to understand his perspective. And it was all about, all about my demands. And I was not willing to even for a second, open mm-hmm. my mind a little bit to think, okay, maybe it's not that he doesn't love me. Maybe it's not that he doesn't care about me. Maybe it's a different story. Maybe there's something else behind there. Right. So let's say we would get to the stage of, okay, open communication, safety, blah, blah, blah. And I would say, listen, if we set up a time, please be there five minutes early because you're always late. So be there. And he just can't. What happens when you make that demand and you just feel like it's not happening? Beautiful. That's why when we set in sessions and you have to understand this is already weeks, if not months into couples right. that I work with. Right. When right. we right. set the behavioral change requests into play, what winds up happening is in the following session, that's usually the first point of discussion. I'm going to say to a couple, okay, guys, how did you do? And let's say they say, you know what? I failed miserably. Great. Great. So let's explore that together. And we go back to the drawing board. You, I, I call it, plug it back into a Mago dialogue. So what would that look like? So I would say, okay, you were about to do the thing your wife asked of you and you weren't able to deliver it. Okay, what came up for you before? What thoughts were you having? What emotions were you experiencing? And I would have, let's say him share that with you. These are the things that came up for me. Okay, once we see what was happening, we could say, oh, we can identify what was the block to your performance. You wanted to do that. You promised that you want to take on, let's say this challenge of I'm going to deliver this for you and you weren't able to deliver, but we could explore in the safety of our relationship. What got in your way? Something took away your motivation. A fear entered some, you experienced something within yourself that made it very difficult to be able to perform it. You judged yourself. You questioned yourself. There's so many things, but the listening spouse, if they're available and they're properly taking that in, you know, what's going to happen. They're going to show up with compassion not judgment. They're going to show up with understanding, not criticism. And when you as the one sharing and saying, look at my shortcomings, I tried so hard to make you happy and I wasn't able to deliver it. What person feels good about failing? Nobody. Normal people don't feel good about their shortcomings. The mistake we make in relationships is we think that we will criticize somebody into perfection. Exactly. Oh my God. And it's and the opposite. It's exact it's opposite. It's the further, further away because you feel like a failure. So why would you want to try if you keep exactly. on being nuked on your failure? Exactly. exactly. And that's I'm telling you that it's almost like reverse psychology. I cannot tell you how many times. And I saw this in my own work with my wife. When I did something wrong and I knew I was wrong, but inside it was right away that protective mechanism is I'm not going to, I'm not going to admit it. I'm not going to own up to it. Right. And she also has something to do with this. Why this didn't work out. Right. And my wife also would walk in into the session with total empathy and compassion for me. So I imagine 
you must have been so uncomfortable to do that, or you were so concerned about how this was going to play out. Is that what it was like for you? And as soon as that feeling rained on me, like compassionate, loving light was just shining. And I, I was able to just be like, oh, you're right. I, I really didn't accomplish what I said I would. And I'm not happy with myself. Can you help me succeed next time? And here's what I could use from you that would be so helpful for me to accomplish that. And you see how the entire shift went into union, companionship. It was a total shift from who's going to win and who's going to lose to how do we get to that top of the mountain together. And that's the shift that Imago constantly trains and promotes in that in simply through the dialogue. That's the beauty. There's no manipulation. There's no, I'm going to convince you with these 10 arguments. And now you're going to see my way. That never works. It works if your partner feels compassion and love from you. What comes out of them is desire to transform. We all want to be transforming. We're just covered with all these layers of pain and trauma and, and all these other things that unfortunately we, we pick up through our journey of life. But what if one of the, the members disconnected already and they're like, I, I don't love the other, him, her. I, I don't want to fight for it. I like what happened? Because it could be that the gap is so big already because so many years of not communicating properly created this gap. What happens when one is still fighting and the other one's out for lunch? Do you sometimes feel stuck? Do you wish you can be somewhere else? Do you have a vision of where you want to get to, but you just don't know what the first step to take in order to get to that life that you're dreaming of? How did I shift from deep depression, from extreme anxiety to a thriving life, to a productive life, to a life full of joy? I put many things into practice and it's every single day. Many of you know that it's gratitude, a healthy mindset, boundaries, self-love, and one of the most important things that many people don't speak about self-forgiveness and forgiveness to others essential for healing if you want to work one-on-one with me on these topics in order to move forward towards that dream life that you have a vision of click the link below in the show notes it's a custom made program for you one-on-one with me we will develop a concrete program that you can implement in your life so you can create a better well-being click the link below looking forward to working with you what happens when one is still fighting and the other one's out for lunch? This is exactly why during discovery calls, I tell couples that I don't guarantee things. I don't believe in guarantees, but I could tell you something with a, a very good degree of certainty. If you give me 10 to 12 sessions, you will pretty much know if there's either hope to save your marriage or it's time to get divorced. Oh, wow. That's brilliant. Clarity. And Clarity. not everybody's meant to stay together. That's not right. everybody's meant to stay together. And sometimes it's a gift to say, you know what? We came this far. Now let's not live the rest of our life in misery just for our children or for the sake of not being divorced. Sometimes it's just time to part and that's okay. And we don't have to hate each other and go through hundreds of hours of divorce lawyers in order to torture yeah. each other and punish each other for the pain we created. Yeah. Yes. The clarity is for sure. I almost, wow. you know, sometimes I'll, I'll tell couples, that's the gift I'm going to give you. And I'll tell you why I feel so, so much certainty around it. Because the beauty of a Mago dialogue is you won't be talking to me. It's not like in the typical way of I'll sit down with you. I'll offer you a menu of seven options and you'll leave after a bunch of mediation sessions. All right. So what do we do now? Which happens all the time when couples mm -hmm. go to mediation or they go to the typical approach to therapy. What happens in Imago is you are talking to each other. And you know what? If you start being emotional and you share something personal, intimate, 
vulnerable about your life and what's looking at you across the table is a stone wall, how much more education do you need that you've come to an end of the road? Whereas if you're going to talk to me and you're facing me, the two of you, so you're going to only continue leaving with wonderment of, wait, so which option makes sense for us? Oh, maybe that one? No, maybe this one. And that's literally what I watch happen all the time. But when they sit down to Omago and it's session after session where you're just like trying to see, can I break this impasse? Can I break, can I chip away this wall separating us? And when you take a few bites at it and you're like, wow, we're like so far apart. We either, like, kind of like you said, we either have no drive to connect mm-hmm. or one of us is just so disconnected. I had a couple, unfortunately, a, a few years ago where they came, I think it was already like the ninth or 10th session. And I thought that I was actually going to pull them off a cliff. They, they were ready to get divorced. And I convinced them to do with me Imago mediation, basically. And by like session number nine, the one spouse was leaning towards, we're probably going to get divorced. I just don't see major movement. And then it's almost like a gift kind of Hashem got sent because the husband said something. And then when the session was over, then the wife reached out to me and said, now I know it's over. Wow. And I remember I said that again, for me, there's no enjoyment. I don't get a bonus at the end of the work for getting a divorce. It was, to me, it was very sad. Wow. We put in nine sessions of this work, but you know what? The next feeling that came, I was so relieved for her because I was like, wow, it's over. Why would you live out the next 30, 40 years of your life with this state of existence? This is terrible. And now you have a really decent degree of certainty that this was, this is just not, this is right, what we call irreconcilable differences. But when they came, it was Suffolk. It was complete question mark on both of their foreheads. And like, Igor, we don't know which way to go. We just don't know what to do. Listen, we believe that. Who's, someone just said to me, isn't it amazing with all the divorces that are going on, people still believe that they're going to get married and live happily ever after. I was speaking to a rabbi that I asked about prenups and, and the kosher prenups, and it was somebody that works in the Rabbanut in Israel. And I said, what do they care? He's because who wants to think he's that in the Haredi world, in the Orthodox world, go tell someone that it might not work out when they're about to get married. It's not even a concept, no matter how many books on divorce and how many any books on chill and bias there's there it's just still this fantasy where that everything's gonna be okay and we're gonna live happily ever after and when as much as you come into marriage like that and then you go through all the trials and the, the difficulties and you try there's still a grieving point that you say wow my dream didn't come true of staying married forever there's an acceptance that like maybe a radical acceptance that has to go on and that clarity gives it that ability to go into radical acceptance versus the doubt, the constant doubt. Will it work? Will it work? Can I, can I just let go? Mm-hmm. I'm going to add something, if you don't mind. Sure. I'm not sure if people go into the marriage because they don't want to see that there is divorce as much as they want the here and now. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. In, I heard from one of the, one of the big names in, in the Mago world. I was listening to a, a presentation once. Mm-hmm. Said this line, we are born into relationships. We are harmed in relationships. And we are healed through relationships. Wow. And there's something about a human being. Hashem made us. God created a human being wired for connection. When the baby comes out and comes into the world, think about this for a minute. It has no skill to walk, no skill to talk. It has only one mechanism that operates involuntarily, and that is to connect to its mother and eat. And then all the other faculties begin to develop. But that faculty is instantaneously activated the moment the baby comes into the world and what happens in that journey one of the people i'm a very big fan of his name is dr gabor mate i don't know if you've heard of that name of course and he calls it the love cocktail it's scientifically demonstrated the things that 
the woman's body produces at the same time mm. for that baby is one of a kind. It doesn't continue being produced, let's say, for the next year of, of nursing of a child. During that initial stage, God planted everything into us to create only deep bonding connection. And what happens when it doesn't happen at that phase? You could pretty much open any today childhood you know, psychology and childhood development books, and they'll show you what trauma looks like at the age of three months old when an infant doesn't experience contact, time. So we see that there's this deep desire for connection. And so that's what I was going to tell you is the reason why with all the divorce rates being at absurd levels, you, you basically have, right, like you're the person next to you getting married and one of you will be getting divorced. That's crazy, right? 50%, that's crazy. Yeah. And yet we can't stop. Why we can't stop? Because we don't think about divorce. We think about the connection that we crave. Isn't that fascinating? It's fascinating. And to a point that Hashem made it, that we will be blinded to intellectual evidence Yes. That would, to any rational person would say, this is a failing enterprise. Yes. Why would you even go there? The reason is because we're not going there with our mind. We're going there with our heart, with our energetic desire. We want to be in a connection. That's why, to give credit where credit's due, Rabbi, what's his name from the Shmooz? Rabbi... Oh, he just came out with a book, right? Yes. The yeah, most the, the, popular. Yeah, 10, I have 10 mistakes. Like, 10 yeah, mistakes. 10 I mistakes. Have, it, have it here. I have. Yeah. Ten, most... ten stupid mistakes smart yeah. couples make. Yes, yeah. Uh, Rabbi Schaefer. Yeah. Rabbi Schaefer has this great line. I listened yes. to a class once he gave on marriage. And he said this line, there's no person in your life you will ever love like your spouse. And there's no person in your life you will ever hate like your spouse. And I thought about it. I said, that is so true. It's 100%. Never, and I, why? You know why? Because the closest that, person to you can hurt you the most. That's right. That's right. That closeness that we experience, that closeness that opens us up, makes us bear our soul, be vulnerable. vulnerable. That is precisely, by the way, what comes back with vengeance when it's divorce time. How many times I'll, I'll ask either spouse, I represent both men and women. When I see somebody's being a, a little bit spiteful, I'll say, why are you doing that? It's none of my business, but why are you doing that? Because she deserves it. She, does, she deserves it. He deserves it. Igor, if you knew what they put me through, they say, I don't stand you're still married or you finally divorce and want to move on with your life because when you tell me you want to take revenge that means you're telling me you still want to be married you want to be connected to it like exactly even, not through love but through hate through and what often comes out what often comes out from those people when they share these things with me i only came to see it over the years as they shared more which is they're so pained now during the divorce they're so pained by the fact that they allowed themselves to be vulnerable then wow and that's why it's such a emotionally charged experience because I could never claim it back. You now hold in your hands my vulnerabilities and I could never take them back because only she knew how cheap I was and only he knew how she mistreated the kids and that, that I could never take it back. You hold it and there's nothing I can do until you die to bury the secret. Wow. And that's why that, that vulnerability is so painful. And that's why safety is so healing. Wow. Why did it take you five years? Why did you need five years of Imago? Is that what it takes for a, an average couple? What's an average <laughs> couple? What Great is it? Question. What's the lifespan of an average couple that comes from maybe we're going to get divorced to hopefully like at least getting along and seeing a, some happy moments? What, what is the journey? Well, I'll reveal you my position and you'll already see that I, I don't necessarily, you know, um, encourage or ask for five years because the program that I that I basically sell is a 12-week program and oh. I provide a 12-week program and in that program I hit all the major points of what I believe is that if you practice and you really integrate and internalize these tools you could be very much on your way and after that 
it's more of like you could call me you know, like once a month for maintenance, if you will. But the reason for us was like, the, first of all, the honest answer is my wife and I were simply addicted. We, we couldn't stop. But were you learning every time? Were you growing every time? But like, how much can you do of the same thing? I guess a lot. I'm going to share you one of my favorite moments. Approximately six months into Imagoing with my wife, we're sitting in the chairs, we're looking at each other. I feel like we're going to be off to our typical session. My wife is sharing and I'm mirroring. Suddenly, I'm crying. Did you ever cry in your marriage? Very little. Then related to the marriage? Like emotionally. Not like because of a death. Like a dish above, you know, not because oh. of a death or something like that. Because of an emotional Twi twice, wound. Twice when my wife gave birth and I held our first two babies. But that's emotional yeah. about joy. I'm talking yeah. about pain, oh, vulnerability. One time. Well, that fight that I told you about, that for a few days we couldn't shake it off. Eventually, I, I was break down. Okay. When I started crying, I, I, I still remember that moment from all the sessions. This one session always stayed with me because my wife even paused and she just looked at me and I said to her, I think I'm feeling right now what it's like to be you. And I feel like it's my first time really seeing what it's been like for you dealing with this issue in our marriage. And how did that happen? How did you see it then that you didn't see before? What happened at that moment? And that's all to tell you. That's the magic of mirroring. There's something very powerful about sitting down, no phones, no, no distractions whatsoever, just looking into your spouse's eyes and trying with all of your being, with your mind, with your emotion, with your energy to just leave your own world. And for a few minutes, just swim around in the world of your spouse. My wife was sharing with me that night certain things that really hurt her about the way I was showing up in our relationship. As I began to mirror, it was intellectual. So this is what it's like for you. Am I getting you? And it's been, and this has been bothering you. Am I getting you? But for some reason, after enough of these, I just slowed myself down. I was like, wait a second, this is what it's like for you in our marriage? And it just showered over me. Her world just showered over me. Wow. And I remember I just, I got sweaty palms and I just started crying mm -hmm. because there was so many emotions. There was such a range, rich range of emotion. I felt guilty. I felt miserable. I felt like I couldn't live with myself. I felt so bad that I brought such pain to her. But you know what? I never experienced it to that extent. And when that kind of floodgate opened, what it then became, because you have to understand for my wife, she always would tell me when I started crying, she said that was the most validating experience she ever felt because at that moment she knew I was in her world. You get her. I got her. And that that deep craving of, wow, my spouse finally sees me. Not what they want to see, not what they pretend to see. They see they saw me as indescribable in those moments. And then we said, wow, if we could do this in this area of our life, let's start seeing what other doors are not open. This perhaps might be for us to discuss the next time. And that's where the journey takes us into the next massive sphere of Imago called parent-child dialogue, <gasps> where your spouse becomes one of your parents and you become your own inner child. Wow. Wait, you... what? Say that again. Can you give oh, me yeah. an example? <laughs> so let's say you're Leora. You would ask me, which parent, Igor, which parent would you like to speak with today? And I would tell you, let's say, I want to speak with my father. You would then tell me, I'm no longer your wife. I'm your father. But why would anybody do that if they if that person is vicious? Why oh, would I want to be that person that hurt my spouse amazing. so much? Amazing. So we have this concept in psychology called differentiation. People can have either low differentiation or they can have high differentiation. Right. When we are poorly differentiated, that means that our identities are enmeshed with our caretakers. If you feel if I feel resentment towards my father now while I'm an adult. That means that I have still have not fully differentiated my identity from my father. That never happens. Never. Till we die. Like even after the parent died, till we die, it never, the cord so have, never gets cut. And that's why I have a big surprise for you. It does? 
It can, not does. In a can. healthy way. In a healthy way. How? Without burying the, the father. Just Through the help of your spouse. I'll tell you why. Because when your spouse, when you get to show up for your spouse as their parent, as your spouse's parent, and you go in the same routine, you're going to mirror, you're going to validate, but you're the parent. You get to watch almost as an outsider, like a fly on the wall, what it's like for your spouse to have lived with their type of parents. If they didn't share it before with you. If they didn't share with you before. But when you get to do the dialogue, you get that extra benefit called you could feel their world. You can touch. It's one thing if I tell you, my father is just a miserable wretch. I don't want to be around him. He's just a mean dude. It's very different than if you get to take the role of a father for a few minutes and I get to tell my father, but you, my wife, is in the room, so to speak. I get to tell my father. Because by the way the, that dialogue opens up is, I would have you, the parent, tell now your spouse who's the kid, can you please share with me, what's it like living with me? And when I got to tell my wife, oh my God, I was scared. I have the chills. I didn't feel seen. Yeah, so do I. I didn't feel seen. I didn't feel heard. And your spouse, who's now your parent, is sitting there going, you didn't feel seen by me. And you didn't feel heard by me. Is that what it was like for you growing up with me? Yeah. And everybody starts crying, right? Everybody starts I've crying. I've never... I'm, I'm crying I've now. never... I've never done a parent-child dialogue with a couple and somebody wasn't crying. Oh never. Oh my God. What happens? The differentiation now takes on a healthy form because when they're done doing that dialogue, the next step in that same session is, I'm going to then tell you to say the following to your spouse. I'm no longer your father. Or you remove yourself. But, but watch this. You remove yourself, but look how you do it. I'm no longer your father. I'm your wife. Can you tell me one step I could take towards helping you heal what you shared with me? Your spouse now becomes part of your healing journey of your childhood. And so instead of continuing to misplace resentment and hatred and frustration at your parents' shortcomings, you now could receive the compassion you always wanted, but instead of from your parents, from your spouse. I'll tell you something crazy. My source in Torah for what I just said to you, my personal is that it says in Bereshit, after Adam ate from the tree, God says, you will leave your parents and cling to your wife. What? There are no parents yet. Oh, wow. But the, the Pasuk says, you will leave your parents and the cling to your wife. But there was no... But there are no parents yet. Avivemo. There's no so, avivemo. So, that's right. So what do you see? What I see from this is, the spouse is meant to play that link that could help you heal what you're going to receive from your parents. And that's the paradigm for every generation. And but, when we don't heal it, we pass it as a legacy. Every generation. Generational trauma. That's exactly. Yeah. But don't we say with therapy, the job is on them to heal. We can't heal. We can't do the work for them. We can't heal their trauma. Don't we say that often? Like it's their work. I can't do anything to heal. Beautiful. Now notice everything I shared with you in terms of the actual dialogue. That I have you as the parent heal or, or sorry, offer any solution to the child spouse, no solutions, only a listening ear. And when I ask you as a spouse, can you please tell me, I'm no longer your parent. Can you How please can tell I me? support you? I'm supporting exactly. you in your pain. No, I'm not, not healing it. Um, I'm supporting you. And that's, and that's the why, difference. And that's why there will never be a question in the Mago ever. How can I solve you? That there's no such dialogue in the Mago. There's only one dialogue. How can I be supportive of your journey? One thing that came up for me is that my father, being a Russian, militant personality, I always felt 
I have to be perfect. And if something's not being done perfectly, my father's going to find it and he's going to criticize. 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 So yeah. what, what do you think I noticed? As we were doing Umago work, I noticed the following nuance. When we would drive on a family trip and we would be on the highway, if I took the wrong exit, I would start getting very agitated. And my wife was like, honey, it's just the wrong exit. The GPS will recalibrate. And we would go to Umago session. And I was like, can we talk about it in Umago session? I want to find out where this is coming from. And we did a parent-child dialogue. And what did I discover? I have, I'm still living with my wounds. My father is breathing behind my back and saying, you took the wrong exit. What is wrong with you? Mm. How dare you make the wrong exit? Don't you know you have to get off on the next one? And all of a sudden I realized through the dialogue, oh my gosh, my father is still in the room, even though he's not physically there. He's in the room. And you know what? My wife showed up that way. The next time we were on the highway, I'm telling you, I can't make this up. We're on the highway and we got the wrong exit. We looked at each other and we smiled. And my wife simply said, how can I show up for you right now? And what did you say to her? I said, just you saying those words did it. It was I'm like okay a now. hug. It was like a hug. It was total emotional energy hug. Wow. Total. But we never saw it. And you know what happened? You distracted me. And I was supposed to pay attention to the road. Oh That's why I told you not to talk to me. <laughs> right? Could you imagine? That's exactly what plays out. Exactly. And with, without Omaga, we were up the creek without a paddle. We were goners total fight and the kids are sitting in the back like oh my gosh these are our parents right this is like the classic yeah and all of a sudden we're like oh my gosh we're walking around with all these wounds what is happening like this is what's informing our lives and like we think we talk again talk about awareness we think we're aware we're not even aware of all these wounds that are in the back of our minds and but again there's gonna be a much bigger conversation and i'm happy to touch on it but i want you to know that there was one more enormous benefit and this is something I sell all the time to couples when I work with them. What I love about Amaga is besides bringing our relationship to this place where it is now, what it also taught us is parenting is not just about giving over information and lessons. We almost became paranoid because we said, my wife and I started saying to each other, oh my gosh, what kind of childhood wounds are we exactly i was gonna ask you the next question i was gonna ask you do you think your kids are not gonna be in therapy because you're like you're preventing it or you already you're like oh this is what they're gonna be mirroring with their spouse okay this is how absolutely both (laughs) but i want to what i want you to know is that's why i tell couples you come to work with me it's two for the price of one while you're going to work on your marriage you will see what you will bring to your children and at home Mm-hmm. is going to be total transformation of your home. The, the, we mago with our kids today, like as a regular conversation. Our, our one child will come over and say, he hit me, she, she bothers me. I don't start solving any problems. I literally just go into mirroring. What I'm hearing you say is really bothering you when she took away your toy. They get frustrated. They're like, stop doing a mago on me. So, say, oh, perfect. See, what, <laughs> tell you something funny. Our two oldest kids, we, we, as soon as we come over to, to them and they start sharing with us something going on in their lives, they're like, Abba, don't imago. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Stop imagoing me. <laughs> but you know what? But the five-year-olds and the three-year-olds, you, uh, if you show up with, to them with mirroring and empathy, I was amazed as, as, uh, as God bless us with the next one and the next one. Right. And we just experimented them with all our imago tools. I'm amazed how, certainly when you're between three and seven years old, I found that's when the kids are like sponges. They're dying for that 
emotional connection yes. rather than problem solving. Totally. Yeah. And you know what? Your older ones are also, they're saying, don't imago me, but they, because they're vulnerable and they're uncomfortable with their emotions, but they agree. really love it. They really love it because I agree with you. what do they want to be unseen? Do they want to be soft? No, I was just interviewing a therapist today. She d- deals with um, kids anxiety. And she was saying one of the uh-huh. biggest things uh-huh. that pe- that parents are so quick on doing is solving their kids pain versus saying, wow, that must've been difficult before. Who did that to you? I'm going to call the parent. I'm going to call the teacher. I went, oh, that cannot happen. How did that feel? Hold Mm -hmm. that space for a minute. And she said so many times that was all that the kid needs for the parent to say, wow, how did that feel? Versus I'm going to call that parent and tell them that they have an awful child that hurt my child. By the way, very often, that is all we need also as adults. There's so many times we're not fighting because of it's over information, over content. We're fighting because we don't feel seen and heard. That's 100%. it. And if only somebody like exactly who describes, somebody could just shower upon me some empathy, I would melt away from all of my expectations, demands, and just be like, okay, now I'm good. I just needed that. Yeah. yeah. I interviewed a Rebetzin. How do you say a Rebetzin in English? A rabbi, like a, a female rabbi. Okay. Yeah. yeah. She's a, she's a convert and she married a Jew and she was either her late teens or early twenties. And he was a modern Orthodox Jew. They went through a lot of loss in their life. One of their child died by suicide. They buried a grandchild and the husband that was born Jewish became agnostic. And she is a scholar residence preaching about Torah and God. And, and I interviewed interviewed her and I said, and they're still in a very loving relationship. And I said, I, I'm envy of your respect to each other, even though you fundamentally have difference of opinions with your faith. I said, I want that respect because so many times I find that when I don't feel seen, I attack my husband just because I'm not feeling seen, not about who's right or wrong. I just want to be seen and validated. And I said, if I only had the respect that Lisa had, like that saying, okay, he's right and I'm right. And it's about just respecting each other. And I, I, I crave that respect. I crave it. And I said, I really, one of the things that I was working in 2021, and I said, I didn't do enough work. I'm going for 2022. My goal is to listen, to understand, and not to respond. Listen, to understand, and not to respond because I was a fast responder. Remember you said, we're proud of who we are. I'm Israeli. And I'm like, but I'm Israeli. I attack. I'm passionate. Oh, that's that's my flag. I'm allowed to attack you because I'm Israeli. Like you said, you justify it. And then I said, you know what? Just hear before you respond, just hear and try to understand where they're coming from and bring that respect in and bring that human being part in. But you know what? Just I think people can appreciate, listen, you're going to go to the gym. First workout, you're going to be sore. Second workout, you're not going to lift what you were hoping to lift. But with time, you can develop the muscles to have endurance, to lift bigger weights. You know what? The world of emotion works very similar. We are wired to perform, to achieve, and to hit goals. Yeah. And to go to a place, even for a few minutes, like my wife, we went once a week for an hour, one hour session. But what it did for us through consistency is we literally discovered that there was another way of being where we didn't have to accomplish, hit goals, get somewhere. We just needed to be, just to be present, to be fully available to what is being said to us, to be open to explore it, to consider changes. That itself is muscle building. Yes. And most people are not wired to listen. Most people are wired to outtalk the next person. Yes. And it takes time to quiet, to bring that inner voice into focus and experience 
deep, quiet presence. It takes time, but I really think that we all have capacity to do it. And we're better off as human beings and as spouses when we touch those parts of ourselves. Like it says, the boundary to knowledge or to being smart is being quiet. Like you don't always have to answer. One of my friend's husband says, you're not fun anymore. You used to argue a lot. Now you're just quiet. I'm not quiet, (laughs) but compared to that, because like when you come to peace with yourself, you don't have to argue. You don't have to prove. You're just okay. One of the things that I try to work with my clients on is don't try to prove yourself to the world. Just be okay with yourself. And then everything else falls into place and you show up for who you want to be for the people you love and the rest just, it's okay if you're not there for everyone and just, it just becomes home within yourself yes. versus finding home yes. within everybody else for your validation. That's a great line. Home within yourself. Yeah. Agreeing. Belonging, that belonging. We're like, we're, yeah. Renee Brown says we're wired for connection. Everybody says wired for connection and we run and find belonging, but the, there is no belonging in somebody else until you find belonging within yourself. As you said, like forever and ever, we're going to work on it. It's just how hard will it be every pursuit and how frequent duration and intensity of our pains, of our connection, of our yearning, of our work. And it's a yeah. constant work and effort. Igor, I want to ask you, so you said you have a 12-week program. Do yeah. you think, how does this 12-week program work with you? Do they have to do homework? Is it a video? Do they meet with you? Well, how does it work? Yeah. Okay, great. So it's um, every week there's a live session with me. Most of my clients I see on Zoom, but I give a session. So there's 12 actual sessions with me, not videos, not pre-recordings. There's 12 sessions. Then there is homework to practice. As we go through each week, and we explore a new dimension of the relationship, I then share the actual dialogue format so the couple could sit down and practice. And usually I ask them to sign like a contract with themselves as a couple. It's called a zero negativity zone. Mm. You have to commit for 12 weeks to not do anything that is going to either increase tension or cause negativity in the relationship. And if anything's happening, it's like you're pushing that you should maintain more conscious awareness. Am I creating tension in my marriage right now? Or am I making sure to stay either somewhere where it's neutral or positive? And then I tell them that you should try to practice for approximately half an hour the diet because really it feels somewhat unnatural. It's not something that's for people very intuitive to dialogue this way. But once you get a hang of it, it's, you can't stop. It's, it's just, it's so transformative in the way it is. That, that's the idea. What happens, I happen to be thinking about a couple of particular couples right now who did this to me. The 12-week program is a standalone program. And then when couples see, hey, I'm not ready to move away from the parent-child dialogue. I think I want to do more work. I offer it as a separate sessions, meaning for a separate price outside of the program. But the program is just meant to hear the key things and here's all the tools you'll ever need. The rest of it is just your commitment to your marriage. That's what it comes 12 weeks, to. that's all it takes is 12 weeks? No, 12 weeks for me to cover the most important areas of what you will be experiencing in your marriage to transform the marriage. But afterwards, they can continue and say, okay, let's work on this Absolutely. a little bit more. Let's go deep dive into this. Oh, yeah. We had, a cu- we had a couple. We had a couple nine months. I was so proud of them. Just such determination. They reminded me of my wife and I. Yeah. And they were just so into it. It was amazing. It was really amazing. Then actually, it's funny. I had a couple who are Mormon couple came to me. And they were just so amazed. They're like, Igor, we got to bring you to our church. We got to bring you to this. We have this group. We're going to next year, we're doing... The whole theme of the year of 2022 is relationships. We want you to come in and give us presentation on the manga. I was like, wow. That's so awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. I definitely 
always try to explain it in the outset that the 12 weeks is to give you the paradigm of the tools. But why do we pay for somebody to tell me to eat the green beans today? Yeah, just that that's the reality of life is we right. compartmentalize and we want accountability. Yes, absolutely. It's VIP. I always tell people you can learn it from the books or you can do the VIP treatment. That's a great way to look at it. Yeah. Absolutely. And what do you want to be spoon fed or do you want to learn it on your own? I always say you can learn anything on your own. You have the internet, you have a library, you have unlimited resources, but do you want help or do you want to do it on your own? Do you want a fast track or do you want a, the low, slow track? And, and also there's something nice that somebody did it and says to you, I've done it. I know your hurdles. I know where you're going to get stuck. I get it. And you don't have that confusion along the way, right? Absolutely. I, I really feel like I would have never been able to sell with this type of authenticity, this work, if I wouldn't have gone through this journey, I'm sure I could have read the book and would have been inspired by the content of it. Mm -hmm. I'm sure I would have. But it's when I lived it out, it's when I was like, wow, I need to find a way to bring this you know, to the world. Like it came like that type of a mission yeah. only because I've lived it. And I feel like it always comes through every couple I talk to. For me personally, it's like, it never gets old. You know, that type of feeling. It's right. Every couple for me is like new it's an adventure. excitement. It's yeah, excitement. Yeah. Let's save. Let's yeah. try to give comfort right. or let's free them yeah. from this misery. So every couple that comes for a divorce, do you say, wait, let's start Imago first? Is there something that's preventing you from achieving your goals or interfering with your happiness? Maybe it's anxiety or stress. BetterHelp.com will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. And you can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line and it's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online with a broad range of expertise available depending on what you need and the services available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send messages to your counselor. BetterHelp.com is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches. They make it easy and free to change your counselors if you need to. And it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp.com wants you to start living a happier life today. So visit BetterHelp.com slash hope to recharge. That's BetterHelp dot com slash hope to recharge and join over a million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. You'll also get 10% off your first month. Once again, that's betterhelp.com slash hope to recharge. So every couple that comes for a divorce, do you say, wait, let's start Imago first? I always offer it. Always. Always. <laughs> I say, guys, if you can, that's, I told you, that's my line. I say, have you done couples therapy? Yeah. Have you done a Mago? No, you have not done couples. I always do that line. Wow. I'm telling you guys, you've never seen anything like this. This is just too revolutionary. You haven't seen it. Of course, there's declining. There's kind of like what you mentioned. That we're past that point. It's just too late for us. I said, okay, no problem. But yeah, I always stick my nose into none of my business because I look at it as a no. My wife always jokes to me that my 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 business, which is called Relationship Reimagined, my business motto is save the world one relationship at a time. Yes. So I look at it as no. You came into my office, I must ask. I cannot just let this go. <laughs> yeah, because you want to give them that passion. You yeah, want to introduce yeah. like um, one of my healing big things were gratitude. And I'm obsessed with gratitude and preaching about gratitude and talking about it and yeah. being on podcasts about it. And I talk about it every day, multiple times a day. And, uh, and people are like, why do you talk about it so much? I'm like, because it's the potion. I didn't have it. If I only had it back, why? And it's free. It's available. Anybody could do it. I want you to have it. Take it. Don't miss out on this beautiful gift God gave it us use it so you're the same thing you're like i know what a beautiful relationship can be after hardship i want you to have it too exactly the feeling and you'll appreciate this every session in the mago starts with the couple has to share one appreciation that they have for each other every session has to start with that and the reason we do it and uh, there's science behind it rabbi Olowick says that you know that when you, of course when, when you walk in and you're like already in a place of i'm not safe i don't want to share with my spouse and all of a sudden you hear an appreciation 
you mean this to me. I really appreciate when you did that. Chemically, you're all of a sudden, yes. the guard is going down. You're releasing yes. your happy chemicals. 100%. There's a, so Imago forces you to engage on all of these cylinders to bring you into a place of availability for connection. Yeah, my husband taught me that the Rabbi Oloik said, before you say something negative, think of one positive thing that I mean to you, that I that bring a little bit of the kindness before you rip me apart and shreds yeah, about all the yeah, negative. So yeah. soften it a little bit because, and he always says, if you can't think about one positive thing that I did or that you think about me, that means we're not in a good place to speak. You're in such doomsday, like maybe it's not the right time. If you can't think of one positive thing. I actually remember Borlik once said like Ra, evil, like Ra, there's there's not a lot of evil doers walking around on the planet. So it's like, if you can, you're right. If you cannot find one quality, like mm -hmm. you believe this person is that irredeemable, right. something's wrong with you before that person. He said to me before we got married, he said, Matt and I want you to know, Harry's a great guy. But one thing I need to tell you, men are not evil. They're just very slow learners. That's why God gave Azer Konegdo. <laughs> yeah. It's his helper. Right. Yeah. It didn't say Azer Konegda. It right. only said Azer Konegda. <laughs> That's only a good he point. gets the helper. She doesn't that, need help. That is a good point. That is a fabulous point. We're two and a half hours in and we probably wow. didn't even explore. All. I told you wow. it's going to go fast and it's so fascinating. It's really fascinating. And I'm so grateful that you shared this, this beautiful treasure for relationships because there's so many struggling yeah. relationships that are you're really yearning for connection. We're yearning for connection. So it's amazing. How many hours do you devote a day for Imago? Is it 50-50? It's right now approximately 50 50 and i'm like i'm basically in that place thanks to getting my wife's blessings where i'm pretty much transitioning myself more into relationship coaching offload onto my firm staff wow amazing the, the legal stuff i'm i'm all in this is the dream so what's your five-year plan what do you where do you see yourself in five years madison square garden <laughs> <laughs> good job presentation on uh, relationships how this could be you too. <laughs> Do you want to have retreats? Do you have retreats? What? Yeah, yeah. I actually ran a workshop in a couple of synagogues in Phoenix. Mm -hmm. Very successful. Got tremendous feedback from people. And yes, the dream is I would love to continue the individual sessions, but I would love to do more workshops and retreats. My wife and I actually went on a retreat about three years into our own journey. We thought it was exceptionally powerful. It was two days and all you do is just deeply engage your spouse like just deep work. There was a lot of writing and meditating and uh, dialoguing. And we like, we felt like we hit these deeper plateaus that we weren't hitting just for weekly session. So we both appreciated how much a, a workshop can do or a retreat. And I definitely would love to build those in as I continue growing this work. Absolutely. Do you think someone can go to a retreat before they even practice it one-on-one -on -one, or it's like the second stage of healing? Is it first you go to 12 sessions with you, do the 12 week, and then you can go to a retreat? I personally would say that even a couple of sessions would go a very long way to help a couple to appreciate deeper the retreat because then they're already coming in with the basic understanding of the dialogue structure. And so they're not learning as they go. However, I actually do know some other practitioners who will actually prefer the other way around. They only want to do if you come to retreat first and only then they'll work with you individually, oh. but there, there's different approaches. I right. personally would say a few sessions just to get your feet wet. Just to know I what think, you're getting into and yeah, have yeah, a little I, bit of familiarity. I, absolutely. I think that goes a long way be, before somebody comes to a retreat, but I don't ultimately want to make a difference. If the couple is available and they want to be engaging that journey, they're going to experience something 
just truly revolutionary. I know that. Thank you so much for sharing. How do people reach you and get this? You say you have a get to know you session. Yeah, yeah, discovery session. Discovery so, session. First of all, so you can go to my website, which is called relationshipreimagined.com. Through it, they could usually is where people email me and they submit requests to, to have a discovery session. They can also email me, Igor, at relationshipreimagined.com. And happens to be, I also have a podcast, but it's a very special podcast just on this topic. Mm -hmm. And I purposely made the recordings approximately 12 to 15 minutes long. Oh, wow. So it literally just hits on the different aspects of what the work looks like. And I offer kind of practical tips. I talk about the philosophy of why do we do the, the, the dialogue the way we do. And I also found that, that people usually reached out to me and said that was very helpful. And I also use it as a sidekick. So when the couples work with me, when we hit a certain point, I said, you should really listen to that episode. I can review it. I really go in deeper into this issue you guys are going through right now. Funny enough, you'll appreciate it. It's called Dating, Marriage, and Divorce Conversations. Oh, wow. <laughs> and the idea, it's yeah. all in, in one melting yeah. pot, right? Yeah, of course. Of course. And yeah, I call it exploring all stages of your romantic life. <laughs> wow. Wow. I'm curious. Something just came up in my mind. Do you yeah. find that working with Orthodox or religious people that the mindset and is different with Imago versus people that don't practice? this religion any religion muslim yes. buddhism yes there, there's a bit more resistance in religious jews to the process than to people who are not religious jews they people who are non-religious tend to be once they come in they're much more open just to the journey and exploring it whereas many times with religious jews and I, to me it's understandable understandably like they'll want to know is there a source for this is it yeah right is it okay to do this or by the way i'll tell you typical thing is parent-child dialogue is it lashon hara i'm going to share with my spouse something about my parent so i always tell them look wow. it's your comfort zone right what do you mean thinking these terms but then but when i got asked enough times it's okay first i'm going to ask my rabbis i'll find out i want to be comfortable with this you and asked them uh, people asked you a few people asked you like yeah. it was a repetitive question yeah is this considered lashon hara i'm sharing about my parents something negative and my answer always was is Listen, everything here is confidential, first of all. And second, it's Litoelis. You're mom, sharing like, in order to heal. To, right. so, so there is a productive purpose. But I'm just showing you, it's those types of mental blocks that people come in with just within themselves. Wow. And, and those things have to be dispelled and moved out of the way. Because I said to them, look, if you're not going to be comfortable, that's my definition of not safe. So then you're not fully available to the process. So we can't get through this if you're not safe. Mm -hmm. So either we don't talk about it or we can figure it out together. What would help you feel safe? What parameters do we need to set up? But again, just as examples to show you this and the kind of, I'll call them cultural sensitivities yeah. that people have. So do people um, ask you what rabbi has an askama or something like that? So in my circles, in the Mahon circles, already everybody knows, oh, Rabbi Krishna gave Igor the, oh, yeah? the green, yeah, Rabbi gave Igor the green light. Wow. Um, and then in other circles, I'll just say, look, I have a rabbi. I ask him for guidance. You ask yours? Uh, and you, you can ask yours or I could tell you what mine says. And usually people are just having a conversation actually helps put them at ease, then they feel more safe and comfortable to share. Usually just w walking through it itself is soothing and dispels, dispels the issues. But yeah, there, there is definitely this kind of interesting resistance that comes up. Can anyone do it on their own if they don't have a spouse? Uh, can oh, someone just, yes. if somebody, can someone say, you know what, I don't know if my spouse is going to be into it, but it sounds so fascinating. Can I come and maybe I can heal something within I myself? I did a workshop in New York once and a girl came with her girlfriend and I'll tell you why it works. Remember the underpinnings of Imago is attachment. If you could attach to a healthy relationship, you heal through a relationship, right? That's the theory. Mm -hmm. Heal through a relationship, not heal on your own, meditating on the mountaintop. 
So what happens is if you come with a close friend who you can confine and share your heart with, and they will hold that space for you in a real way, absolutely. You can work through serious stuff in your own life. But it won't heal. But if that girl is married to somebody that doesn't want to come to the workshop, can she heal that relationship through somebody else? So remember the dance, the relationship she cannot, but she could heal herself. And the more that she could address and work out whatever it is that comes up for her from her marriage. Mm -hmm. But if she could work through those feelings, understand herself better, differentiate better. When mm -hmm. she comes back to the marriage, she will dance a different dance. And that means the entire marriage will shift. Because remember, it's a dance. And she'll show up different. That's right. Without us even knowing. I don't mean to say, oh, the whole marriage will become honeymoon. Probably not. But right. there will be shifts in the relationship right. for sure. So we know where to reach you. Email is the best way. Do you have any social media? I have Facebook. I'm on Instagram. What's your name on Facebook and Instagram? So on Instagram, it's, it, it just says DMD Conversations. Because mm -hmm. it's dating, marriage, divorce conversations. Mm -hmm. And then Facebook, it's literally, you could look up my name or you could look up Relationship Reimagined and it's there. Thank you for this amazing, interesting. This is what I love hearing. I, I love these conversations. And I, I, I wish that people go out of their comfort zone and say, maybe if something's not working for so many years, maybe something else yeah. will work. And maybe we can connect a little bit and, yeah. and try something else. I always say it's never 100% with a specific thing, but maybe you'll get 10% from here, 20% from here, 30 percent instantly and hope to recharge we speak about mental illness and healing so many depressions anxiety breakdowns mental breakdowns happen from very unhealthy relationships bring it home bring yourself home bring yourself back to the relationship thank you igor for being with me thank you for sharing your wisdom and i'm fascinated i'm hooked i'm hooked <laughs> thank, you for time with us. thank you everybody for listening bye till next time Thank you for listening till the end. We highly appreciate all of our listeners. In Mental Health Together is Better, you being here means a tremendous amount to us. If you enjoyed this episode and you would like some extra boost of information and inspiration that is not on the podcast, you can go to our website, hopetorecharge.com. There's some premium content that for the cost of a cup of coffee, you can download some amazing information that will help you, a tool that will guide you through life. So don't skip a beat. Don't hesitate. Go to hopetorecharge.com and see what other offerings we have there for your mental health well-being. Thank you for joining us. And remember, if you enjoyed this and you want to say thank you, the best way of gratitude will be by you leaving a review or a comment or sharing this with a loved one. There is no greater form of gratitude for us. Thank you. Bye till next time.